What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Think Outside the Blue Box. I'm Anthony Rivera. I'm the lead videographer and editor here at Blue Box Digital. And welcome to the podcast. This is a podcast about creative journeys, uh, the hustlers, the, the, the people who are out there uh, following their dreams in hopes to inspire you to follow your dreams. And today uh, I'm joined by a super creative guy. I've been following him on Instagram for a little while now, and uh, I'm fascinated by his work, uh, Mr. Henson the Healer. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. It is a extremely professional setup, Thank which you. is very cool. It's my first time, like, not just talking into, like, headphone microphones or something like that, yeah. you know? I've been on a few of those podcasts where you just kind of show up and it's just two mics and a recorder. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or just, like, you have to hold the phone up to your face, you know? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, welcome to the Taj Mahal of uh, yeah. <laughs> of podcasting studios. Um, so yeah, we we met um, a couple weeks ago actually uh, at a, a mural painting that you were yeah. helping out with. Kind of just super randomly, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I was just asked. I love to, how things work out, man. Yeah, you know the same thing happened with the event that I was at last night. Like the um, it would the influencer, her manager, just randomly was stopping at a Domino's Pizza one night, which was like right next to a venue that I was live painting at. And he was like, what's this guy just like doing out in the parking lot with a bunch of spray paint and like this big wooden <laughs> wall, you know? Like, let's go check him out. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like very similar vibes to when we met, you know, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Um, but she had asked me to, the muralist that, you know, was working on the wall had asked me to come out just to show her a few things with spray paint. And um, I think you were there to pick up a, uh, painting. Yeah, she had just been on on yeah. the podcast uh, a couple of days before that, yeah. and uh, she had promised me a, a painting. But you know, I had to go out there and get it, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll drive. I don't care. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I love your stuff." So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she's probably already live by the time this goes live. So it, it's Swirly Painter. Uh, uh, go check out her episode. She's we had a really cool conversation with her. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we, we she was working on a mural, and I, she she reached out to you, and, and how how did you guys meet? Yeah, I. Uh I was just in the paint shop one day, you know, uh, and the guy that owns it, Austin, is like, he's this old school New York guy, you know, he owned a graph shop back in New York and decided to move here and kind of do the same thing because St. Pete has like a big mural scene and everything, you know. The artistic scene in St. Pete is so much better than Tampa. <laughs> yeah. And so I just kind of hang out in there and try to get what knowledge I can from him and like years of doing it and stuff like that. So she came in there one day and she started asking questions and some of them I knew the answers to. And I try not to butt in normally when he's talking to other people, you know, but I knew, you know, what she was talking about. I was like, Oh, you should do this, this and this. Cause I was just kind of excited at that point that I knew exactly yeah. you know, what to like say. I know the answer to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and she was, uh, she was like, okay, that, you know, that's cool. Like perfect. And, I know she was a little apprehensive about it because when you're trying out a new technique, especially on like a commissioned wall, it can be a little like bit intimidating paid for this. Yeah. Yeah. So she ended up messaging me later and she was like, Hey, I did it, but I'm not sure I did it right. You know? And so I was like, well, you know, maybe try it like this or this, or I can just come out if that's easier. If you don't, if it's hard to understand what I'm talking about, cause sometimes it's hard to translate that over text. You yeah. Know? Cause you're talking about like a 3d medium in uh it's an abstract concept. Yeah, to, over Instagram, yeah. you know? So <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I'll come out tomorrow. And, and that was the day we met. I was there earlier in the day. I was happy with it, but then I was looking at the pictures and I was like, ah, there's a couple little things 
you know, that I would like to tweak. And I was like, are you going to be back later in the day? She was like, yeah. You know, and so I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to come back and just like fix those couple of things. And oh, that's and that's when you met. guys headed mm-hmm. back out there. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it worked out, man. <laughs> it was yeah. meant to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how things just kind of work out like that, man. Cause I, I, it's not the first time that that's happened to me is mm-hmm. I just kind of show up and there's somebody there that does something cool and I just reach out to them. I, I've actually done, um, uh, just recently I did a music video with a guy that uh, I showed up at, at a wedding and he was just playing violin just to, you know, he was doing his own thing, you know? And I was like, this is so freaking cool. So I, I went up to him kind of like the person went up to you and, and just kind of reached out to him and just said, look, I'll, I'll make you a music video. Like, I think you're super talented. Let's, let's work, let's collaborate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just worked out, man. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Uh, I love stuff like that. It's always those, like the random relationships, you mm-hmm. know? Um, those are the ones that are the most fun because it's not forced, you know, especially when you're talking to creatives. There's some people have the mentality going into it of I want to network. I want to meet new people. I want to do this, that. And they treat it very much like a business, which is like a, a super legitimate way to go about it. But I think when you're so obsessed with the creation aspect of it, uh, like a lot of people from the community that I'm a part of are, you know, and less about the business aspect of it than those genuine relationships where you just kind of meet people serendipitously is, uh, is what really ends up mattering, you know, and and what you end up having fun with. Yeah. 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 And it expands your art. It expands your, your audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of, a lot of artists are kind of reclusive. Like they, they just kind of internalize everything. They don't Mm -hmm. really socialize with anybody. They just kind of express themselves on canvas. Yeah. But that networking is kind of important, man. Yeah, it's, uh, I think there's like a fine balance of stuff, you know, I, I do know some people where it's like all pretty much a business, you know, and, um, it works out to varying degrees. Somebody that does it really well, uh, is actually his Instagram is weird walls. Um, and he, before I met him, I probably would have told you that it, it doesn't work out great for everybody you know, when you just look at it from a business perspective. Uh, but he started out looking at it from a business perspective and then he found his own like creative style and path from there. And, um, you know, he was on HGTV recently because of it. And so the way he's done it is like just very well put together. And, uh, you know, so that, that really opened my eyes to the fact that you can, you know, you can do it right from that perspective. But, um, I would say I'm, I'm pretty much the opposite. Like when I started, I was really bad. Like everybody is because it's not like a, especially with spray paint. It's not like a, you can't be born good at it, you know? Yeah, no, everything takes practice. Yeah. Especially because, you know, what the general public knows about spray paint tends to be kind of like a point and click thing, you know, like most people go to Home Depot and, uh, just want to repaint some piece of furniture that they might've bought for cheap or something like that. So, and that instance, it is kind of a point and click thing, you know, and, uh, it takes a while to build up those skills and start getting good at it. And once I started to really explore those roads, um, I kind of came up with the mindset of if I get good at this, like really good at this, then I'll kind of become undeniable and I won't have to deal so much with the business stuff because people will just, uh, start to invite me to things and, yeah, and stuff like happen. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause yeah. the whole goal was never to be a business man. You know, if I wanted to be that, I would have kept being an insurance agent, which is what I was doing, uh, 
before. before. Yeah. 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 I know when you when you and I first met, you told me a story about how, you know, you still keep in contact with a lot of your friends from from school and they're off doing, you know, professional things. But Mm -hmm. you're the only one still creative. And I love that because it's like you're the only one that really retained that that Mm -hmm. creativity and and still pursue it to this day. Like that's inspiring. Yeah, I uh, I didn't really have a choice, you know. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I tried to go the adult professional route, you know, and uh it was funny. I was sitting in an office one day and, uh, I was an insurance agent, you know, doing well. And I was staring out the window at these construction workers. They were like working in the middle of the road, I think laying a new pipe, digging something up, you know, outside the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, my boss walks in and and like catches me kind of daydreaming out the window and he sits down and he's like, you know, it's okay. I used to stare out the window too. And, and think about how grateful I was. I, I didn't have to be them like working out in the, the yeah. hot sun and everything. And I was like, Oh, I can't do this forever because I was daydreaming about being them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it was the opposite. Like I yeah. want to be there. Yeah. And that's when I kind of realized like, Oh, I can't, I can't yeah. do this. Yeah. Yeah. Did you quit or did you, I did. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, uh, I think it was, is an insurance job, right? You said. Yeah, I think it was two days later. Yeah. That I quit. Two after days that after that conversation. That, that conversation. Wow. Yeah, because I I just straight up walked in. I was there a little bit early, and of course he showed up late that day because I was hoping to catch him before everybody came in the office yeah. to just be like, hey, I'm gone, bye. Um, and so of course everybody was there, and I said I had to talk to him, and I think people kind of knew what was up, mm-hmm. you know, and. Uh, he gave me the whole speech of like, I think you're making a big mistake. And, of course. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I, I don't think so. No. You know, because they it, don't see what you see. Yeah. Well, I think very few people, uh, spend enough time with themselves to understand like what they really want in life, you know? And, uh, once you do find that and you realize that it's like, all you can think about, and you love it so much that you're willing to become self-disciplined and, and motivated and, uh, you know, go through the whole brutality of the learning process when it comes to learning, you know, any type of new skill or anything like that. Once you realize that that's what you want, then that's all you're going to be able to think about. And you're probably not going to be happy doing anything else. Doing any, Yeah. 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 I, I kind of went through that, too, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, this is all I could think about, man. Mm. <laughs> this is my passion right here. Yeah. And yeah. hopefully you can tell. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, this is, you don't, I don't think you accumulate this type of professionalism without, you know, really the having passion, those feelings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This is literally all I can think about, man. From the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep, it's, it's literally just video content creation, storytelling, you know, just the, the creative process. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. From the perspective of like a videographer, right? Because I've always been curious. Mm-hmm. I was telling you before, it's like ceaselessly interesting to me. Yeah. When you're thinking about like your creative process or just like being creative in general, what do you have to, f- like, what exactly do you have to focus on? You know, because I know for 2D mediums, like, um, I'm very heavy with critiquing myself on you know, technical skills, conceptual skills, things like that. But 
videography seems so much more abstract to me, you know, because you do have the technical aspect of it, of course, you know, um, you have all, it is 50, 50, man. 50% technical, 50% artistic. Yeah. You kind of have to have that, that in between. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, on the, on the physical side, you know, it's uh, on the shoot side, it's more of like camera angles, lighting, like that kind of thing. The, the, just setting the the right mood on, on the frame, that kind of stuff that that's where I kind of get my creativity from. Cause when I'm on set, it's, it's all on the fly. Like there's nothing, there's nothing on paper or anything. Yeah. And then whenever I get into the editing, that's, that's when the, the creativity just explodes man because yeah. everything comes together in the editing yeah because you're like at that point you're just focused on telling a story exactly yeah so exactly. everything that makes sense so for you it's it's almost like two separate stages it's like you have the whole technical stage beforehand like before you get into the creative stage and yeah. then once you get all that out of the way then it's like just purely a creative thing it is it is because it doesn't matter what the source material is it doesn't matter what was captured there i can make you laugh i can make you cry i can make you with with you know my creativity and how i put it together and the music that i put to it and the the colors that i choose it's all of it man and it's it's meant to induce emotion it's meant to you know make you empathetic to whatever story i'm telling yeah yeah, I love that aspect, man. Yeah, that's super interesting. I, I love it because the, there was uh, my, my, my cousin, he actually went to film school and he was telling me that one of the classes that he took was uh, sound design. And it yeah. was they they pretty much gave you a trailer, an existing trailer for a movie that's super famous or whatever. And they said, OK, this is a spy genre. I want you to make it a comedy just with sound, sound design. So they take the, the trailer, they lower the volume of everything. It's just completely muted. And then you put in. The, the right audio, the right music, the right sound effects, the right dialogue to make it funny, you know? And it, it, it's, it's so powerful how, how audio can have that much effect on something that's already made. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the kind of creativity that I love. Yeah. So that's kind of how they instill that type of creativity into you when you're learning the process is by forcing you to not worry about the technical stuff and just worry about all that creativity. Exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. They do a, a very similar thing with drawing. So when I went to college, it was, um, I it, th- I think they called it like classical studio arts uh, with art history. So it was like a dual major. Nice. Um, and one of the things that they do, especially for people that they feel are very strong technically but might be struggling creatively, is they have you do a series of one-line drawings. So one-line drawings are essentially like they'll have a figure still life um nude model and they'll tell you you know you have to do a figure drawing but you're not allowed to lift your pencil up off the paper oh that's um, cool you know at any point in time but you have to complete the whole thing and they'll normally put a time limit on it too to make sure that you're not just like stopping and thinking about where you're going next gotcha. and they'll have you fill up like whole sketchbooks with it and that's a way to kind of force that creativity into somebody that might have the technical skills, but they're struggling to bring that out of themselves. You know, That's it, cool. it sounds really similar, not necessarily like the exact method, but as far as like the process, you know what I mean? Of like ingraining that yeah. into somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think everything can be taught. Do you think creativity can be taught? I think to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think from an artist perspective, I think the only thing you really need to be an artist is just to have the need to create. Cause I think mm-hmm. whatever medium you choose, it can all be learned. Mm-hmm. You know, you just need that need to, yeah. <laughs> to create. Yeah. It, it has to be strong enough to transform itself into, into discipline really, 
you know um i think that some a lot of those like more like masculine words you know um i think people in the art community kind of avoid you know uh but i don't really think it's like a masculine thing i think it's just like a human thing you know uh so that real strong need to create you know you can really want it but if you don't have the discipline to force yourself to fill up sketchbooks or in my case like do a practice wall every day or or something like that then it won't really like flourish into anything you know so i do think it starts with creativity but i think that need for creativity has to be strong enough to like seep into Keep all the going. other aspects yeah yeah, yeah. Where, where did you where did you start i know you said you have a practice wall every day i know you do that on, online yeah so i post uh you know pictures videos in my practice wall every day uh it's so you do one entire wall yeah it's eight foot by eight day. foot nice. yeah eight foot by eight foot wall once if not twice um even when i'm doing a gallery show even when i have live painting later that night or um even today you know nice. uh yeah it's uh it's one of those things like you just have to, if you really want to get better you kind of have to force yourself to just consistently do it you know even if you don't want to or you're busy or uh even if you have to do something more simple because of a time constraint or something but like still, that still yeah yeah just work that part of your brain out mm-hmm. <laughs> i know mastery they say mastery takes 10,000 hours of something yeah. to master yeah. it so if you're doing one every day bro like <laughs> yeah you've got your 10,000 hours man. <laughs> yeah. yeah i i always thought that was uh you know, an interesting quote because you, uh, you know, Salvador Dali was, I believe asked if not about that, something similar to that at one point. And, uh, then they ended up asking him if he had created his, like his best piece yet, you know, cause he was starting to get a little bit older and, uh, he was like, well, no, I'm, I'm going to keep improving, you know, every time I make art, I strive to make a masterpiece, but when I make something that's perfect, it's probably going to be the day that I die, you know? And what's ironic about that is, uh, he did die immediately after finishing a painting in Get his studio. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, which one? I have no idea what no. the name of it is. No. Um, wow. That's wild. Yeah. I got brain damage back in high school. So like names, dates, just yeah. <laughs> numbers in general, not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I'm horrible with names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but that's cool i didn't know that about dolly mm-hmm. yeah i always thought that was super interesting you know because i think artists are forever chasing that title of like mastery you know um, perfect yeah. mm-hmm. but it's never gonna happen but you have to try you know that's that's what's so crazy about it you know like, i think perfection just doesn't exist man it's just yeah, better you're yeah. just better than you were what yeah 10 years ago you know but if you don't strive for it then you'll never make progress towards it but at the same time you're chasing something that doesn't exist exactly so it's you know it's (laughs) it's uh at times you feel kind of like a a dog chasing your tail you know a little bit yeah um but i still love it but it's the journey man yeah Yeah. it's the journey for me yeah it's not the destination i think the the showing the progress and uh, a lot of people say why don't you take down your first music video you ever did like Mm. no i I want people to see how far i've come yeah like how how crappy that was yeah (laughs) and how how great my stuff is now you know it's and it, 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 like you said, is a constant, ever-evolving process. So I'm yeah. still getting better. I'm still learning new techniques. Still, you know, developing my craft. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, a couple of the first things I did were like so bad, you know, and I will show those to people. I think there's only like one thing I've ever made where I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to show this to yeah. anybody, you know? And unfortunately it was like in a very public fashion, Oh wow. you know? And I like, I wasn't even new. Was it a mural? It was, like a big mural? On it the was a competition. Nice. So there was, uh, there's a graph shop called Backroom in Tampa and, uh, they were hosting a three week long, uh, like mural painting art competition. I think the walls were like six feet by three feet. Right. And, uh, it was with a tattoo convention called ink the Bay and the winner, there would be like one winner of each round and then you would go on and get to paint at the convention. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so I competed in all three weeks. Um, the first week I did pretty well, pretty well, pretty well, pretty well. I, uh, at the time I had all of the building blocks of like really good king control, but I hadn't really discovered that I had them yet, you know? So I, I was kind of using them separately and not really like combining them to be one thing and make like actually interesting things, you know? Gotcha. So like the concept was there and the technique was there, but I just hadn't really discovered my own way to combine everything yet. So I did okay. You know, uh, the second week dude, I, am I, are we allowed to curse on here? Yeah, absolutely. I ate shit in a glorious fashion. Oh my God. <laughs> you still have a picture of that? I want to see that. Oh, yeah, I do have a picture of it. Dude, I'll yeah. show you. Yeah. Um, I, it was so bad. I don't know what the fuck. Happened. It was so bad. I, I like, you know, I cried in the car on the way home because I was like, I know what I'm doing. What happened? Yeah, you know like, what I mean? So <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. And, uh, but that really lit a fire under me. And then I ended up coming back in the third round and, uh, I did something that I was really, really heavy with. And that ended up being like a big kicking off point for me realizing that I did have all those building blocks and I just, didn't realize that I was ready to put them together yet, you know? And so the third round, I was really happy with what I did. And from there on out, I was able to kind of, uh, push that, the combination of those things like further and further, you know, you know, it's funny you say that. Cause I think I, I kind of equated to a comedian bombing on stage. It's like, you kind of have to go through that to, mm -hmm. to get that experience. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that's what and I ended that kind up of point of reference. Kind yeah. Of thing. That's what I ended up like consoling myself with is, like literally that metaphor, you know, you hear comedians talking about bombing and it being like the most miserable thing they've ever felt. And I was like, okay, so I'm not the only person that's ever felt this way Exactly. because this was absolutely it's part horrible. of the process. Yeah. 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 Like you can't, you can't get to a certain level without having to go through that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the worst part was, so I did an eye, it was an eye and all my practices were good, man. Yeah. That's what really got me more about it. Every practice I did like four practice walls for it and they were all really solid. And, uh, <laughs> the worst one and the worst set of all three of my rounds was the only one that ended up following me around because for some reason that was the only one out of the three that I did that they didn't paint over before they took oh them all to the convention. <laughs> so it was there. It was the you. only one. And I, I remember I was, I had a booth at the convention. The guy that was organizing it really liked uh, the fact that I kept showing up to the rounds and he liked my work. So he asked me if I wanted a booth there and I was like, yeah, dope, you know? 
and uh, I was sitting in my booth live painting. I was just doing like oil pastels, you know, to pass the time. And this guy comes walking up and he was like, hey, you know, are you Henson? And I was like, yeah, hey, what's up? You know, thinking that maybe he knew me from Instagram or something like that. And I didn't know that they had kept the eye at this point. And he goes, man, I just saw the eye you did down there. It's great. And my heart Get dropped, here. dropped. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately was like transported back to that moment of like just pure failure, you know? And I was like, I didn't know what to say for a second. I was like, man, I really appreciate like, are it. Are you being sarcastic? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, but to, I ha I'm a like extremely honest person to a fault. And I was like, but I got to tell you, it's really bad, man. You know, <laughs> it's really, I'm glad you like it, but it is really bad. You know? And I was like, this is the stuff I normally do. And was like showing him other stuff. And he thought that was really cool, you know? And, uh, he ended up being a super cool guy, but like it was, I, I just, can't not be honest with myself but that, that goes to show you man is like some shit for you might be something great no for somebody it was else. very bad <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Yeah. at least you're honest about yeah, it. <laughs> yeah yeah it's you know i do think everybody has their own taste and everything right yeah. but then this is a conversation i have a lot with other artists is like uh the professional way to critique your work or other people's work in the helpful way right so you can have your own taste when it comes to art, but there are certain technical things that you can't get around, right? Um, so even if you're doing something that's like more illustrative or graphic, your light sources might not always be consistent because you're kind of manipulating them to add definition in mm -hmm. areas where there wouldn't normally be shadows, things like that, right? Uh, but to a certain degree, you do have to have some realistic shadows. Otherwise, everything's just going to look wonky and a Flat. little bit messed up. Yeah. yeah. So um, even when you are talking about like those more abstract styles, it does have to adhere, you know, somewhat to the rules. And uh, if I were to have critiqued this piece professionally, it followed almost none of them. Oh, wow. And <laughs> I like to think I know most of them, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, so it, it's one of those things yeah, you know, you can, you can definitely have your own preferences when it comes to art, but, uh, well, yeah. it was enough to make an impact that yeah. he remembered your name. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, uh, I think the saving grace was the background Yeah. because the eye was so bad that I was like, I have to do something that draws people's attention away from what's supposed to be the center of attention. <laughs> <Nice. you know? laughs> Don't look at the eye, look at everything. <laughs> yeah. So I did, uh, have you ever seen Japanese traditional tattoos? Yeah. So the background primarily is what's called wind bars. Uh, they're basically like the big black bars that kind of connect everything together and they gradiate from blank skin to black to almost make your blank skin look like white yeah. right? to create a 3D effect. And uh, I ended up doing a bunch of like big black and white wind bars through the back because I was like, okay, these are so big and bold that people might not notice. <laughs> that what's supposed to be the center of attention isn't good, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think it was the actual eye that he liked. I think it, it was, was the big wind bars. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It had redeeming qualities. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to say it was bad, I can at least admit where it was right. And that was, that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. Well, I'm glad they left it up then. Yeah. <laughs> In that case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I got to meet a bunch of guys that I talked to, you know, on a either daily or almost daily basis, you know, because of that competition. And nice. um, one thing that's cool, especially about the graffiti community, you know, um, is a lot of the older guys are people that have been doing it for longer. If they see that you're out there trying, if you're out there painting or anything, they will give you pieces of advice, you know, and it's one of those things where it might not seem like much at first, you know, but you listen to the first one or two and they see you actually put it into practice and then all of a sudden the floodgates kind of open. More, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, that's something that I was able to do because of that competition. You know, I went out there and I was doing these abstract faces at the time. So I get my faces up on the wall. And uh, all the graffiti guys were side-eyeing me a little bit, you know, because a lot of graffiti guys aren't fans of people that aren't doing letters, you know, that aren't writers. And uh, so I get my faces up on the wall, and I knew that was kind of going to be the vibe. But then, so when people use spray paint to make tags, there's a type of tag that uses big flared out letters, which is essentially where you start far away from the wall and it's like a big open spray pattern. And you, as you come to the bottom of the letter, you taper everything down to like a fine point, right? And gotcha. it, it creates like this big old flare. So I decided I was gonna do these big flared out letters around my faces because graffiti writers are like weirdly obsessed with those big flared out letters, letters yeah. you know, myself included. They're just very fun to watch, you know? Yeah. And so I did these big flared out letters and all of their heads kind of like turned and I saw a couple eyebrows raise, you know, and then they all like walked <laughs> over to me and were like, you know, started talking to me and like, okay, you're legit now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was the letters. And I was joking with my wife beforehand that I was like, I'm going to do these letters and then all of them are going to talk to me. And sure enough, that's sure like enough. exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. They like almost kind of like look down on you for not doing letters. <laughs> no, I wouldn't say look down, but it's a, you know, it's a very, it's a hard community, man. You know, it's, uh, people get in arguments with each other frequently and, uh, you know, Over it's like the technical skills or, uh, more like what crews you run with, uh, where you paint, gotcha. what you paint, how good you are, how often, how big. You know, um, and so it's a very harsh community. And then on top of all that, you also have, you know, legal repercussions and, uh, of course, you know, uh, things like that. So I think because of a combination of those things, the culture is just a little bit more harsh than most, but I, I think that's a good thing to be honest, because it's something that's so founded on technical ability right um because spray paint is so complex and uh not only that but you have to do it fast and it has to be clean and so many nuances yeah, yeah that i think the only reason we know what we know about spray paint today and we have it as a tool in the way that we do is because that community was kind of like a pressure cooker for so long you know all of these people that were able to develop all of that um there's a quote from Shawshank Redemption. It's like, uh, geology is the study of pressure and time. And that's all it takes, really, pressure and time. I like that. You know, um, and that's like, I think that sums up, like, why it's good that the graffiti community is so harsh, you know, because I don't think we would have or know what we do the without quality. that yeah. culture. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, you guys push each other. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, like, even, you know, even the beefs, like, that's part of the reason, too. Like, you know, people go out around, like, crossing out each other's names. and Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, it gets intense, man. Damn. And people get <laughs> mad about it. You know, it's like it's a real thing. And uh, there's rules to it. You know, like, there's a lot of rules within the community. Uh, just like... You know, they're not like written down anywhere, but everybody knows. Yeah, it's unspoken rules. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things like, you know, somebody breaks a rule or somebody thinks somebody broke a rule and then there's a beef. And then all of a sudden it's a race to the top of, you know, biggest, best, most, you know, covering up the other person. And because of that, you get like, you know, you get like weird things that pop up out of it, you know, like, so, uh, fire extinguishers, like people will thin down paint and fill up fire extinguishers and, you know, be able to paint giant tags on like huge buildings with a fire extinguisher, with a fire extinguisher, because it's cheaper than spray paint and you can go bigger. Yeah. You can cover a whole wall, a whole wall, (laughs) you know, and then you have like straight letters, which is like bucket paint. You can go down to the dump and, uh, and get, you know, free paint that people tried to throw away. And so instead of spending money on spray paint, what some of these guys will do is uh, go down there, get some bucket paint, grab a ruler and do straight letter pieces. So literally just like big block letters, you know, and line it with one color, fill it with another color. And uh, it's a cheap way to like get up and also cover up the entire piece that the other person might have done at the same time, Wow. you know, and so... It's competitive um, as hell. Yeah, super competitive. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it all started off as, I think, a game to some degree, really. Like, you look at the history of it. The history of graffiti. Yeah. 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 And so you get all these weird things that pop up. I know there's some people, uh, especially, I think, Brazil is where it's biggest. They'll take uh, garden sprayers, you know, that you would normally use for, like, pesticides. Yeah. And fill it with paint, paint or ink, and then fill it up with enough pressure and modify the nozzle a little bit so you can get a really nice spray pattern out of it. So they'll be going around doing tags with that because it's cheaper than spray paint and faster and faster. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at all of these things and you dissect down like what they really are. And, uh, and then you look at what current muralists are doing and it's like all of these like it's all of these techniques that wouldn't be around without graffiti. Yeah. You know, um, and they're just applying them in a way that's, I guess publicly it would be considered like more palatable, you know? Um, but without that, we wouldn't have what we currently do as far as like big public works of art. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everything that was developed because Mm -hmm. it was so clandestine Mm -hmm. (laughs) underground kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, you look at uh, how they were practicing, you know, they weren't like some of them were practicing in the public eye. Of course, you know, you have um, people like uh, Chrome out in Miami that got really notorious um, for, his graffiti. For, for graffiti, for doing highway signs. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah. Like when you're driving into town yeah. into Miami, you'll see his tags. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then you have other people. Uh, that were just like practicing in abandoned buildings and stuff like that, you know, so that way they could take a little bit more time. Yeah. Uh, I know in New York, there was a tunnel that I believe got nicknamed Freedom Tunnel because it was a closed off tunnel 
that somebody, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right about how this happened. I think somebody blew a hole in a wall with like some construction explosives to like an abandoned tunnel. And then it was like, they were able to walk through the hole and like there was this whole big abandoned tunnel that they would like to graffiti in. Get out of here. Yeah. I think it's called freedom tunnel. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the writers, I'm not sure if the tunnel was named after him or if, uh, he took up the name freedom after spending time in the tunnel. But I know one of the writers freedom was very well known for doing like big long murals about the history of graffiti down in the freedom tunnel, which I thought was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. It's not everybody's vibe. Cause of course there were like homeless people and yeah. you know, when you're starting out, I spent a lot of time in abandoned buildings. Yeah. Know? And, uh, the homeless people don't really bother you ever, you know, I think it's more like intimidating for, um, for most people, but to be honest, like they're just looking for somewhere to sleep. Yeah. That's it. You know, to chill. They're just regular and, people, man. They're not yeah. <laughs> and they'll come over, you know, and like, but they just want to like sit down and talk and have a bottle of water yeah. and chill, you know, cause you're at, and like at that point you guys are basically there doing the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, it's not everybody's vibe, but it really is. It's like, it is a very beautiful, like genuine human interaction so i think that aspect of the freedom freedom tunnel interested me as well because you had this meeting of like graffiti culture and then also like people living underground in new york like this big bustling city and then like you have this whole like secret community almost yeah you like know? this little secret room that everybody kind of knows about yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so cool yeah yeah it's um you know there's all these like little nooks and crannies of graffiti history and um I think it all, so there's like varied reports of where it started, right? Where I heard it started was with a man named Taki, who was a Greek immigrant. And he was like riding the subway all the time and decided that he just wanted to see his name places. Like he would see big brand names on the billboards and stuff like that, you know? And he was like, I want to see my name. Yeah, I want to put my name up and there. And so he just started writing his name on shit. Like his actual name, not oh, even like a graffiti cool. name. And then I think it just was like... Yeah, which is his name. And then I know there were three numbers after it. I think it was. Oh God, I'm gonna get wrote, I'm gonna get destroyed for <laughs> not knowing this. But I think it was like one eight three one six three or something like that, which I think was literally just his address. Oh wow! So it was like his name and address is what his yeah. his vandalism was. <laughs> yeah. Tag, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, when you think about it, starting kind of so innocently, you know, it's like literally just a guy that came to the u.s that just wanted to see his name up on billboards and stuff it's like <laughs> so cool yeah it's cool to think about what it's involved like evolved into yeah 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 well, what are your thoughts on banksy because mm. he, he started as a muralist yeah so i go it's mixed yeah it's mixed well, i think me. banksy is an amazing artist um, I think conceptually he's very on point and does a lot of really interesting works. I think where I get derailed is his involvement with the graffiti community and, uh, not following some of those unspoken rules. You know, one of the big ones is if you are going to go over somebody else's piece, you cover up the whole thing. Yeah, uh, just a piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you cover up the whole thing, it's a respect thing, you know, because that person doesn't necessarily want to do a collaboration with you. So don't use a piece of their art like they did want to, you know. And uh, one of the big things Banksy did is there was a writer named uh, King Robbo and in uh, I believe it was London. And he had this piece that had been there for a really long time. And Robbo had kind of stopped writing at this point. And uh, nobody had gone over it because it was like such a respected thing. I mean, it was like at the top of a subway tunnel and people were like, how did he even get up there? Yeah. You know, like how did that happen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so nobody really wanted to mess with it. So Banksy did, uh, there's a term called the buff man in graffiti. And uh, the buff man is basically a city worker that gets paid to go out and just paint over graffiti. Right. Or, you know, use chemicals to take it off of stuff, things like that. So Banksy just de- clean it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Banksy decided to do a buff man, like in the process of buffing out this King Robbo piece, um, you know, with a stencil and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And that was super controversial because he was basically using somebody else's piece for his art. And not only that, but he was covering up like a very notable piece that had been up for a really long time, which is another thing. Like you don't go over pieces that have been there for a long time. You know, because that person's kind of earned their ups, you know. And uh, so it was a really big deal because he broke a myriad of those rules. And it ended up in this, like, big feud that went back and forth for a really long time between Banksy and King Robbo. And uh, it ended up being good for both of them. You know, I... I, It always is. Yeah, it ended up being good for both of them. Robbo, because he was beefing with Banksy, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think he did end up passing away. I think he w- it, it was he was like painting a, either a mural or he might have been doing graffiti. I'm not sure which, um, but he did end up passing away, and uh, you know it was a super tragic thing. However, you know the whole beef with Banksy did have this like meteoric rise for him because he went from somebody that was like kind of retired to all of a sudden being like no, fuck this. This guy's not just going to go over my piece and mm-hmm. get away with it. So he started going over Banksy's stuff, you know? And uh, so that whole aspect of it, I think is a little bit questionable, you know, because even if you are doing more street art stuff, then you still are aware of the rules, you know? But I think he's more about making statements than yeah. than the art itself. I think he's a great artist. I yeah. mean, I love the work that he does, but I think he's more of a making statements kind of guy. Yeah. I, I but think he may have done that just to make a statement. Yeah. I think you also have to know, though, when you have a reputation like that, um, kind of like the repercussions of the statements you make or how you make the statement, right? Because there's other examples of, you know, uh, I believe he did graffiti on a prison while a prisoner was escaping and like posted a video of it. Right? Oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, now they ended up shutting down that prison because of it. And they're making an arts center, which sounds like a really great thing. But I think if you look at it uh, kind of from like a public perspective, well, now you're like relocating prisoners. You know what I mean? And um, it kind of like gunks up the system and everything like that, because at this point you do know that cities or property owners, whoever are going to do whatever they can to protect that because now the value of their property skyrocketed, you know? And so I think 
you do have to understand like the impact and the way that you make those statements. Oh yeah. There's definitely unintended consequences. Yeah, to his, exactly. His actions. So I think that's what trips me up is yeah. it's not that I don't necessarily dislike it. It's just, I think that at this point it's happened enough times where there are like, just weird unintended consequences that you should have a little, you should probably, I mean, I'm sure he or they have thought about it. Yeah. You know, but they're just about the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, I'm sure they're not too worried about the repercussions. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But that is, you know, that is the one thing that kind of trips me out. Yeah. 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 I, I think my favorite thing from him was when, when he auctioned that painting and then like immediately after the auction ended, it shredded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I did really like that. I love that because it, like there, there's a lot of people with money that have zero talent that have turned people's art into this huge business that yeah. just, it's, it's made to just make themselves richer. And it's yeah. like, no, this is my art. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there are, um, very like well-known examples of people after the passing of Keith Haring. Keith Haring was like so influential and so unique that he kind of left this void of people wanting more from him, especially because he died so young, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, because of that void, there were people that were kind of able to just come along and uh, imitate his style as far as the execution of it goes in like the general aesthetic not necessarily just straight up ripping off his characters because they haven't done that Mm -hmm. um but you know it definitely is very reminiscent much more reminiscent than i think a lot of people would prefer some people would prefer you know and uh because of the void he left they've been able to kind of just take that and be like okay i'm successful now and become very successful off of just filling that void that somebody else somebody left. left yeah you know and that i think is where the business aspect of it gets me a little bit you know because to make it it's to a that lot of politics yeah, yeah it's a lot of politics and to make it to that point you have to have some kind of passion for it so why not try to just find a voice that's unique to you instead of just filling a void that somebody else left you know if that void was left because of how impactful they were then let that void be there and mm-hmm. let people feel that void yeah you know, and understand what it feels like to no longer have that person creating what they were creating that made that space feel full to begin with, you know? Yeah. No, that's a good concept, man. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's made quite a few, uh, <laughs> quite a few statements in his life. Yeah. So it's, it, I, th- I think he's the most influential, uh, artist in our lifetime. Yeah. Yeah, what, definitely. Whether people like him or not, yeah. you know, he's yeah. made the most. It would be hard to argue that he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, have you seen the the documentary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the documentary was super interesting. I love that. I think um, what I like most about him, right? If I was going to have to like, because they're like I said, conceptually, I do really like Banksy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just his disregard for yeah <laughs> for the yeah. industry basically yeah exactly what i do really like about him is i personally have this obsession with uh taking imagery that might not have been accepted yet in the fine art community and making it accepted right so things like folk art um or traditional tattoos things like that um i think he kind of did that in the same way 
to a degree with graffiti. I think a lot of graffiti people would disagree with me because it's not letters and he's not a writer and he is viewed more as a street artist, right? Mm -hmm. But having Banksy kind of stick his foot in that door and then eventually blow the whole door off the hinges uh, (laughs) did make a lot of room for other people that were interested in pursuing a career with spray paint, you know? And so I do think regardless of what you think about him and his impact on the graffiti community, it would be hard to argue that he hasn't done a lot to help make it more acceptable. The industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's made a mockery of the parts that he doesn't like. Yeah. Like the business and the money and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo- I love that. I love the, all the statements that he makes, but yeah, I, I agree with you. He's kind of a, a, a almost like an artist terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just does it. Well, and then just whatever happens, happens. I think there's what a lot of people don't realize is when you get to those real big bucks, like auction houses and stuff like that, you know, like the really crazy stuff, a lot of it is being done uh, because very wealthy people are trying to find ways to not pay as much taxes. Yeah. You know, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. It's uh, and I think he was very aware of that Mm -hmm. and continues to be very aware of that. And, it's kind of refreshing to see somebody that is in those auction houses and they still want to buy his stuff despite him being obviously opposed. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you don't, you don't get why. Yeah. (laughs) Like you just don't get it. You know, it's like, you're still trying to just chase that dollar and it's like, Mm -hmm. you're just defeating the purpose of the art. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I have uh, very business minded people approach me frequently, you know? Um, And they kind of approach me from, the aspect of a small business owner, which I get, you know, uh, and they'll come up to me and, you know, try to make recommendations on like, uh, I should like go to this convention or do something with a car dealership or, you know, all kinds of stuff that would involve basically just like a lot of business footwork and networking and things like that to me. And, uh, I always end up having to explain to them, like, you know, I do appreciate the advice. Um, and I do make money off this. Yes. But that's just not how I want to approach it because long-term when I look at my career, uh, the way I envision my style and my career and what I see that I want to do, I just don't think is possible through looking at it like a business, you know? And so I do have to have that conversation with people a lot, you know, of like, they're like, well, you should treat it more like a small business. And I'm like, you know, I do to a degree, but I just can't if I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Or at least for me personally, I can't. Yeah, you can't just take every yeah. every mural project that comes your way because yeah. the, the money will come and go, but then that legacy stays. Yeah. Like and, that's what you'll leave behind. And too, it's like some of it has to do with just like, uh, like the amount of time you spend thinking about things. You know, like 90% of my day I spend thinking about what I draw or what I paint, critiquing myself, uh, what I might want to do tomorrow, what other people are doing, you know. Um, And if I was too busy thinking about all the business aspects of stuff, then... Your creativity takes a a backseat. Yeah, the time has to come from somewhere. Yeah. You know? That's why I'm starting to get to that point, too, in this business where it's like my creativity is starting to take a little bit of a hit because of all Mm -hmm. the business stuff that I have to do. So... I think I'm to the point now where I'm going to start to kind of 
push that off yeah. on on somebody <laughs> yeah so that i can go back to doing what i love doing yeah. you know the create creating you know the the creative process yeah and just kind of yeah. let somebody else take over the business side of it my wife is potentially the least interested in art person i've ever met in my life yeah <laughs> yeah and uh i absolutely adore that because the art community does have the occasional pretentious person uh and it can be a lot sometimes you know and the one thing i've always told her is like the second i make enough money for you to quit your job you're going to quit your job and just do all of the business stuff I don't want to do for me because she's a banker and loves it. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, perfect match. Yeah. I'm like, I'm giving you the password to my emails, <laughs> my Instagram, you know, like everything you're going to have everybody's phone numbers, you know? And it's like, you're just going to do all of it for me because <laughs> it's so much and it, it takes is. up so much time, it you is, know? Yeah. Um, and if I really want to be, you know, remembered long term, then, uh, the only path forward for me is just like constant progression, you know? Yeah. Consistency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've talked about that on the podcast. Consistency, man. That it, Even if it's like you said, just a regular eight by eight wall, you know, just yeah. a practice wall every single day, that yeah. consistency over time eventually will get you to where you want to go. Yeah. And I think you have to have consistency in the right areas though, you I know, agree. because I, I was listening to an artist talk recently and uh, they made a lot of points that I agreed with, but there was one that I disagreed with. And they were talking about how they filled up a sketchbook and every single day had 365 pages in the sketchbook every single day they did a different sketch. Holy crap. And uh, I've done that with my wall as of the 25th. Yeah. Yeah. So 365 murals over 365 days. It was a couple more than that because yeah. there were some days where I did two. Um, but... I think it was the same with her sketchbook, you know, and she was talking about how part of the reason she did it is because she wanted to break the habit of feeling like she needed to create something new every time she created. And that was the only thing that I disagreed with. And I don't think you need to create something completely unique every time, but I do think conceptually it needs to be unique every time. Right. Because that's the only right way that you're going to, you know, force that type of like rapid expansion that you're looking for. If you're willing to put yourself through something like that, oh yeah, you know, cause it's grueling. It is. Yeah. And Just imagine 300 and something sketches a day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think you do Care have how to, how fast you are. You, <laughs> yeah, it's going to take yeah, hours out yeah. of your day. Like mine, I do a different character every day. You yeah. know, there were in the beginning, I did do the same character quite frequently. You know, and uh, I think, again, that was just me not realizing I had the building blocks to do more. But then I did. And I kind of realized that the only way to really push that progression as fast as I was hoping for it to happen was to force myself to do something completely different every day because it was going to make me uncomfortable every day. You know, and Seek I seek discomfort. Yeah, I always say that. Yeah, and so I wasn't going to have that safety net to fall back on, you know. But it is important if you're going to do something like that, where conceptually you're looking for something different every day, that you have the technical skills to back it up, right? Because uh, the last thing you want is to be thinking, okay, you know, 
I think I know what I'm doing with this character, but I'm also not sure on how to execute it. You know, it's like, no, you want the execution like drilled into the back of your head and then you can think about, okay, what am I doing with this character? If that makes sense, you know, yeah, so, you just look at an image and you're already deconstructing it yeah. and figuring out how to, yeah. yeah. So I think it is important to do, if you're going to do something like that, to do something different every day. Uh, and it's going to suck. And there's going to be some days that are harder than others. And, uh, inevitably by the end of it, you're going to be pretty worn down and tired. You know, but that's uh, the point, though. That's the point. Yeah, it's practice. It's not exactly. supposed to be easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, like I keep saying, it all boils down to discipline. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like uh, I think the definition is like to train oneself to do something um, habitually and repetitively. You know, uh, it might be habitually and uh, consistently. I don't know. Um, I'm not actually that smart. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're inspiring uh, though. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, man. That's uh, why I wanted to bring you on, man. Cause yeah. I knew you, you and I would have a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause we're both creatives, man. We both know like what it, what it's like to live off of our art. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's yeah. not easy. And I mean, you know, because of the way that I've gone about it, as far as not wanting to look at it from a business there, like in the beginning, there were other sacrifices that I had to make. You know, when I left the insurance shop, I still had to have money coming in. You know, so I ended up taking this job uh, with a company that I ended up loving dearly. Yeah. Uh, it's called Valet Living. And you basically haul trash from apartment complexes. You might have it here. Yeah, know. we do. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't like it. And normally when you see people that don't like it, they're like, it's because it's hard. You know, that's what it boils down to. It's just hard. It's, it's hard. It's an easy job, but physically it's really hard, you know. Yeah. And... uh I loved that aspect of it because then I had something that was like conceptually very difficult that I was doing during the day, you know, and it was very draining in that way. And then I could just go and pick up trash. I, it's like, it was like 150 flights of stairs every night. It's right? a workout, dude. Dude, it's a workout. Yeah. And you have like this bag that by the end of it weighs anywhere from like 60 to 150 pounds on your back. Right. Wow. Um, and it's so grueling physically that I just absolutely adored it because I had the mental grueling aspect during the day. Yeah. And then I had the physical at night to balance it out. Balance. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was the perfect thing for me to make that transition because it really taught me a lot about like what it takes and you know, how hard it can actually be. But also it taught me a lot about consistently consistency, you know, because it's super hard to call off when you're doing a job like that. And you know, it's one of those, it just like, it taught me a lot, you know, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I encourage people, if you are going to go down that route, you know, of trying to make money off of your passion, you know, don't be afraid to step outside your comfort zone to, you know, make money in other ways that won't limit that creativity, but also might not take as much time as like an office job, you know, because uh, I think eventually the money matched what I was making at an office job in less time just because I was willing to work so hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When, when you're independent like that, the harder you work, the more you make. So it's like you kind of create your own paycheck almost. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think a lot of people are scared to take that step. They're afraid to step away from the security, that, that secure paycheck that guaranteed yeah. every two weeks or whatever. Yeah. It was hard for me, man. Yeah. <laughs> that was the scariest thing I've ever done. Yeah. A step away from my job. I thought I would, I, I thought it was going to be really scary. I think that's what kept me from doing it for a really long time. And then I think I was just so fed up 
yeah. with the normal stuff by then that. that I I don't actually remember feeling scared. Yeah. I think the scariness came actually. So like I said, I had this theory of people would eventually come to me if I got good enough. And they started, right? And it I went through like a three-month period where I was like book solid. And wow. then I got like a week away from having nothing booked. Nothing. And I was like... What do I do? You know, because I was like, I didn't start this really. Yeah. You know, it just kind of fell in my lap. And I was like, so how do I continue it if I didn't start it? Um, And then I think that's when the fear set in. And I think like literally the next day I got an offer to do like a consistent life painting thing and, you know, somebody to give me pain, stuff like that. So it did end up working out like I had hoped yeah you know yeah. Sometimes, sometimes i'll get like that too man where it's like there's nothing booked like you look at the week ahead and there's literally nothing yeah and it's like holy shit man how am i gonna make rent this month <laughs> yeah but then something comes in man and it, it just and you got to keep networking too man yeah you got to keep making those connections because that that's that's actually where most of my jobs are coming in now because mm-hmm. i used to you know go out and just do all these all this marketing and all this stuff but now it's like people know people and tell people about me and it's Mm -hmm. like people come to me now yeah i just like to i think for me it is networking but i don't think it's intentional very for me personally just because like i just really like to paint you know that i always like preface whenever people meet me i'm like i just i just like to paint i'm a guy that likes to paint that's pretty much that sums up my entire existence you know um and i think because of that people recognize that and then inadvertently it causes a lot of networking you know what i mean and so you're right it is a really important like it's a super important aspect of it you know um and i think everybody has like their own way of going about it or like their own reason it comes about Mm -hmm. or um i don't know how wedding photographers do it i think about them sometimes and like how they have to network to do it and i'm like it gives me anxiety just thinking about it you know i have Um, to do that sorry about the tangent on that it's just (laughs) like every time i I I do i do weddings too so every time i talk to somebody that does wedding photography i'm like how do you even book stuff you know because it's like it there's so many options and with cameras being more accessible nowadays than they've ever been people seem to value having a good photographer less which is like weird because you would think they've tried it enough to know that they're not good at it you know no offense but most people but now now yeah no offense to any photographers that are listening but no i meant like not photographers i was talking about uh like just people taking selfies and stuff like that for weddings you know you would think that they would realize like hey it would look better if i had a professional photographer photographer, sometimes no yeah no no because i mean phones have gotten so good nowadays that it kind of blurs the background for you like it yeah it it creates all these filters that make you look amazing so i think photography has kind of been watered down a little bit Mm -hmm. uh that's why i kind of specialize in the videography because that's a that's a specialized skill set doesn't matter how good your phone is you're not going to make a video like me (laughs) <laughs> yeah man but photography yeah man everybody's a photographer nowadays uh, it's like people show up and it's like you you see people at weddings just with their phones and it's like you know that's all they have yeah that's all they need yeah but yeah yeah it's just it's a different skill set honestly so what what got you into like uh videography and you know, just production and everything like that. Dude, honestly, I, I've always been into storytelling. I've always been into, uh, I actually 
my my degree is actually in animation. I'm a 2D, 3D artist. Oh, that's so brutal. Yeah. That's such a brutal medium. I love it. Respect, man. I love it. It's very technical, yeah. for sure. Very, very technical. Uh, especially if you're going to do it on the computer or an iPad or something. But, uh, yeah, so I started off in doing animation, and um, it just kind of – I learned the skills that I needed to make movies, you know, yeah. the camera angles, the lighting, all that stuff, because it doesn't matter if it's physical or, or digital. It's all the same. Yeah. Um, so wh when I kind of left school, I got my degree, I, I started trying to go into the industry, and I noticed that Florida is really not – huge on animation it's yeah. all out west it's all in the california or even overseas so i was like so what can i do with all these skills like what can i transfer them to and the the easiest thing was just video like yeah just buy a camera and then i don't have to worry about render times and and all this other shit that that i have to worry about on the computer now it's just you get a person you sit them in front of the camera you turn it on and that's it you got you got your video right so yeah uh, so I found that that was a good outlet for me that I could s still tell my stories. I could still, you know, make the content that I wanted to create and uh, be creative that way. And yeah, man, I've been doing it ever, ever since. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. I love everything about the process. Uh, I actually, I, I've talked about this before. I actually started as, as a YouTuber. Like I, I wanted uh, to, yeah, back when I actually had a full-time job yeah. and I was just kind of doing this on the side, uh, I started doing a YouTube channel and I, I wanted to be a travel vlogger. I would just want to, I, cause I love traveling. So mm -hmm. like me and my brother, we took a road trip from Florida. I mean, who doesn't want to be a travel vlogger? Exactly. To be honest. Yeah. So yeah, I was watching all these guys on YouTube and I was like, man, I can do that. Like, you know, and I, I bought a camera and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So me and my brother, we took a road trip from here to Washington, mm -hmm. Washington state. It took us seven days or eight days to get there and documented the whole way, created a really cool series. But it, it got to the point where it was like, I was spending more on the travel than I was making on the YouTube channel. It just wasn't sustainable to mm -hmm. me at that point. So, but I already had all the equipment, I had already had everything. So I was like, you know what, let me just shift over. Instead of telling my stories, I'm gonna tell other people's stories. So I yeah. started to get clients and yeah, man, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. It sounds a lot like how uh, I've heard some people get into writing. It's mm -hmm. like a very similar way, you know. They like meet people that inspire them to come up with a character. Um, and then they like flesh out that character based on the experiences they've heard from the person they met. You know, and it sounds like you're kind of doing a similar thing with the way that you do storytelling when it comes to videography. You know, like you meet somebody and you get a, a gist for kind of who they are and how they go about their life. And you're able to build a story off of that. Yeah. You know, so it sounds really similar to, to writing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, it is. I see the stories everywhere, man. Mm -hmm. That's why when I met you, I was like, this dude has, has a story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to bring you on, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you came on. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, uh, I was excited cause, uh, I am just so focused all the time on just painting and having fun with that. And, um, you know, showing people all these images, like traditional images that I fell in love with, uh, that I really forget to tell people like about myself sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so more often than not, I get people that recognize my art before they recognize me or, yeah. you know, feel like they know anything about me. Uh, in order to combat that, I kind of like always wear the same thing, you know, like different clothes, but I always wear a white shirt with black mm -hmm. pants. Uh, beard stays pretty long. 
Yeah. You know, beanie. It's your image. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Same jewelry. That's why I always wear my blue box shirt, my blue box hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my glasses, uh, this is kind of like become iconic almost. Yeah. Yeah. People, uh, in the art community recognize me super consistently now. Nice. Um, but when it comes to the public, it still tends to be, they recognize my work before me. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. And that's what I'm trying to change too with this podcast. Cause I bring all these artists that they, they put on this, I wouldn't say a facade, but it, they mm -hmm. only post like what they want to post. Mm -hmm. Right. But when they come in here, they, they get an hour to talk about whatever they want, you know, themselves yeah. and how they grew up and all the challenges that they've had to go through. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, you get to know the artist. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually had a guest on here, and he was asking me a bunch of questions, and I yeah. was like, "Yeah, I appreciate that," because normally it's you know it's a one-sided thing. But then he he kind of said, you know, it's it's good to know the story of the storyteller. Yeah, I watched that episode. Yeah, I like that, that was a super good episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm glad, man. I'm glad that we have the space that we could just you know creatively, because I, I don't see a lot of this stuff online, man. No. A lot of like creative people, yeah. you know, it, it's always just all art, all the rappers or all, yeah. you know, they specialize in something, but I, I, I just love the creative space. So the much meeting here. ground is yeah. nice. Yeah. 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 Are you from Florida originally? Originally, originally? No, I'm from Puerto Rico, but I pretty That's much dope. grew up here. Yeah. Yeah. I came here when I was like 13, 14. So yeah. My wife is, uh, her, like an entire half of her family is all from Puerto Rico. Nice. Um, and they're like beautiful, crazy, wonderful people. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's such a beautiful culture, man. Yeah. It, it, it's so welcoming. So very artistic, very musically inclined. Yeah. Culture. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, I have a lot of, a lot of my stuff kind of stems from, from my upbringing and you know, the, the experiences that I've had growing up as a Puerto Rican yeah. in America, looking like a white boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have that same problem, man. Yeah. I, my dad is uh, Iroquois. Native oh, wow. American. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm very pale for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, Native for American. being very Native American. <laughs> yeah. Um, like much, I say I'm Native American and people are always like, they make the joke like what, like one thirty second or something. Yeah, like, like, no, like half, <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally. half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, my wife and I always joke cause she's kind of the same as you. She looks super white, but she's half Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican. Yeah. You know? We always yeah. joke that we're going to have a kid and it's yeah, going to be full Puerto Rican. And I'm still white. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. I thought you were saying your parents met here, but they, Oh, you yeah. said you grew up there. Puerto yeah. Rico, so yeah, straight up all the way. Yeah. Yep. So she looks very white as well. She's like red hair, freckles. She almost looks Irish, nice. but she's not, you know? Yeah. And, and we always joke that we're going to have a kid and it's going to be, it's going to come out so dark that I'm going to be like, is this my child? Oh my you know? And like, just as a joke, because my dad was so dark, dark, dude. Wow. like thick black hair, like the most stereotypical native, native American. Yeah, guy. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And same with her parents, you know? And, um, so we always joke about it. And then I met somebody one day that that actually happened to, you oh, know, wow. where like his parents were both like half. And then I think his dad was half Brazilian. His mom was half Argentinian or something like that. And uh, they both looked super white. And then he came out like very dark skin. Really dark, and yeah. I was like, and so it went from a joke <laughs> to like an actual thing that my wife and I had a conversation about, you know, because we were like, if we do ever decide to have kids, you know, you got to watch out. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. I actually have a brother. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Lex the barber. Uh, he has really dark skin. Like, yeah. Like we look like brothers, but 
like if you just look at a glance it's like holy shit yeah <laughs> these guys are not related yeah and we've had to deal with that our whole lives man it's like do you have the same parents yep 100 percent same parents that's just, cool just different skin tone you yeah know? it's it's in the blood it's in the puerto rican blood the first time my wife ever saw a picture of my father um because she never met him he passed away and uh um the first time she ever saw a picture of him she looked at my mom and she was like oh you were married twice and my mom was like no you know yeah and she was like oh then who's this guy you know it was like literally a picture of them at the altar and she was like wow. that's Zach's dad and she was like adopted and she was like no he's not adopted that's his father that's his dad you know my mom has had to deal with that all our whole lives yeah <laughs> when she introduces us they're like yeah same same husband same yeah. same father yeah <laughs> yeah just kind of preface it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm from ohio originally okay um like the middle of nowhere to begin with you yeah. know and uh eventually we ended up moving to like a bigger city you know columbus yeah. um because the small town it technically wasn't even big enough to be its own town oh wow. it was just the middle of nowhere Super basically yeah. yeah um had one corner store it's like a little township yeah and yeah. it looked the corner store looked like something out of a western movie nice. like when you walked into it the boards were so old that you could like see through the bottom to like the dirt under the cat out of here yeah and it was super cool because i always joked that they basically only sold like lays and coke you know nice. you know that that was like pretty much it and uh it burned down and wow. just like i mean it was gonna happen eventually dude. It, the yeah. whole thing was like a fire it hazard <laughs> for at least 20 years before it actually burned down you know like a tinder box. yeah yeah and so it was gonna happen eventually uh i don't think anybody was too shocked but because of that a lot of people ended up moving out of, out of that little town uh wow. including us because you like if you just wanted like if you forgot something to drink or wanted a snack you had to drive like an hour to dude <laughs> i think it was I, I don't think it was an hour i think it was like uh like 30 40 minutes but still still yeah yeah like yeah. every time you gotta have to plan ahead yeah my my ex-wife used to live in a like little in the middle of nowhere little town and yeah it was like that man like every, anytime you wanted to go to the corner store the corner store was like a couple miles away like yeah. you had to travel you had to plan it yeah ahead of time yeah that's crazy man so what, what brought you to florida um like most things in my life it was random yeah yeah I, so I met who's now my wife. Her name is Anissa. And I had met Anissa uh, just randomly. We decided to go on a date. We really liked each other. And then I think we went on two more dates. Uh, and then she started essentially living with me, right? Nice. Just like staying over all the time. But she never really went back to her place after that. And uh, both of us were happy with that. You know, we just instantly really liked each other's company and that's awesome i had clicked. yeah i had this goal of okay you know two years from now i'm gonna move out of the state i don't know where but i don't want to be stuck here my whole life because a lot of people that grow up you know rural ohio that's all that's where they stay um this is all back in columbus mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so i told her you know i think it was only like two weeks into spending a lot of time with her i was like hey in two years i'm leaving the state I don't know where I'm going. You can come with me or you cannot come with me, you know, but I just don't want to get your hopes up that I'm going to be here forever. If you're interested in being here forever, you know, that's and not my plan. Yeah. She was like, no, I'm down. And wow. I was like, okay, ride or die. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, Love it. let's do it. And so we, uh, we sat down and we thought of a bunch of states that we would be interested in moving to. And we listed all the major cities within those states. And then we put it into a random name generator. Nice. And St. Pete is what popped up. That's awesome. And so I live in St. Petersburg <laughs> now. <laughs> that is such a cool story. Yeah. Like it's just random. Whatever name pops up, that's where we're going. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have picked a better spot, man. Like the, the whole Tampa, Tampa Bay, St. Pete area. I, I love it, especially for artists. Yeah, I didn't know that when I moved here, man. Really? Yeah. Wow. We moved you here. Out. Dude, I was living in historic Kenwood. I was like renting this back house, you know, and it was yeah. right down the street from downtown. So we moved here. I think we spent like two days unpacking stuff. And then we started walking around downtown. And I started noticing that there were like so many galleries and art shops and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I got pretty lucky, man. Home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that random word generator was right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was chance. I like I like when you leave things to chance and they work out like that, man. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I I also am not convinced that I'll be here permanently either. You yeah, know? I'm sure I'll be here for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I I kind of knew that once you make that commitment to just you know travel around until you find somewhere that you feel like spending the rest of your life. Uh, then it gets pretty easy to do it a second time. I, f- I feel like it's the first time that's really difficult. Yeah, it's the unknown. Like you've yeah. never gone through it. Like this yeah. is this is home. This is where you grew up. This is where all my memories are. Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first moved here from Puerto Rico. Man, it was tough. Mm. It was tough. I didn't have any friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really lonely for a couple of years, uh, especially for a for a kid that speaks only Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an accent. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I lost it yeah. throughout the years. But yeah, I used to have a, like a, a Hispanic accent. Um, let's talk about your name. Yeah. Henson the Healer. Where, yeah. where did that come Henson from? Henson the Healer. Yeah. Uh, so I got really obsessed with American traditional tattooing and folk art in general. So I wanted to learn how to paint flash uh, like how they used to, like back in the day when they first started doing it, which is a process called spit shading. Um, and it's called spit shading because you use your spit. Uh, it's kind of gross by today's standards, but it's very cool. It's a cool kind of forgotten art form to know how to do, you know? And so it's basically India ink and watercolor and calligraphy tools. And, uh, so I decided that I was going to learn how to paint flash. I started painting flash for this guy. I was starting to get pretty good at it and he wanted flash to hang up on his walls anyway. So it worked out for both of us. Nice. And he was like, you know, if you're going to be hanging around here, you gotta have a nickname because I was just this guy hanging around in this like old school kind of hardcore tattoo shop, you know, um, named Zach. Nice. You know, and everybody else had like these cool like biker nicknames, you know, and uh, he found out that I was um, half native and he started like brainstorming like Native American nicknames, I guess. Uh, and most of them sounded horrible and goofy. Um, and none of them really stuck. I don't think anybody really liked any of them. And then one day I was kind of joking around and I said, Henson the healer. And he said, you don't get to pick your own nickname. (laughs) And then he like walked away. Well, he, he walked away and then sat back down and pretended like we hadn't talked yet that day and then called me Henson the healer. So basically like (laughs) claiming, you know, claiming it. Yeah. Um, Like he came up with it. Yeah. Which was really funny. Uh, 
and it just kind of stuck, you know, and uh, I really liked it. So uh, I just started introducing myself as that. He started introducing me to people as that. And um, I, at first I had, I kind of forgot like who knew me by what name, you know, because some people still knew me as Zach at the time. Um, But I also wasn't as well known at the time. So that ended up going away pretty quickly. So there was like a short phase where I'd introduce myself as like Zach Hinton the healer. You know, because I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, but then just to cover all bases. Yeah, just to cover <laughs> all the bases. Um, but now it's just Henson the healer because most people just know me by that. I think people think the word Henson is a made up word, though, which is like a weird thing that I run into. You really? Know? Yeah, because they'll find out my full name and they'll be like, oh, that's actually your name. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you think Henson meant? You know, it's, uh, I always like daydream about if the word Henson was just like a normal vocabulary word in the dictionary, like what its definition would be, because people always seem so surprised to That's a name? What? Yeah, to think <laughs> it's a name. And so I always like daydream about like what would the definition yeah, of that be? I word? don't think it's in my mind it's not anything but a name. Yeah. Yeah. Henson. I like to imagine that it, it's like some sort of carpentry term. Nice. that I'm just not aware of. You know what I mean? Like nice. some obscure carpentry tool that's like <laughs> <laughs> Pass me that hint. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why people are confused. Yeah. Yeah. That's why <laughs> we'll chuck it up to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool, man. Uh, so what what's next for you? Um, what's coming up for Henson the healer? Got any competitions or anything? Yeah. Always, man. Always. You know, um, didn't you say that you, you do one like once a month or once you a try to at least once a week. At one competition a week? Yeah. Wow. Um, if not a competition live painting, it depends if I can find somebody, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, so I do that at um, normally rush hour chicken and waffles. It's a chicken and waffles restaurant that turns into a nightclub at night. Nice. It gets pretty lit. I'm not going to lie. Wow. Uh, I wasn't expecting it when I first started doing stuff there. And then I showed up and I was like, oh. whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is different. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Um, and you know, the people out there are super nice. And, and so I do that, you know, once a week and I'm working on this down in St. Pete. Yeah. It's in St. Pete. Yeah. yeah. What was it called again? Rush hours, chicken and waffles, rush hours, chicken and waffles, which is a nightclub. (laughs) I love it. Yes. I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I just started doing chicken and waffles restaurant during the day. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I would say it's more of like a bar that serves really good chicken and waffles during the day. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I just did an event for Young Barbecue last night. Young Barbecue on Instagram. Her name is Lex. Um, and she's a professional dancer. She's a really, really nice person. Uh, I wasn't sure what to think when I first met her, you know, because when you meet people that have a ton of followers, you never know kind of what their personality is going to be or because you're meeting them at an event, you don't know if they're going to be stressed out or not. You know, like there's a lot that goes into that, man. So I just wasn't sure what to think when I first met her, you know, because I didn't know if she was going to be stressed out or like if this was going to be her actual personality or what. And she ended up being so nice, dude. That's cool. Just like a seemingly very genuine person and, um, you know, very nice. And so I'm going to, I think I'm going to be doing more stuff with her, her events coming up because she really liked what I did. And, uh, I really liked being there. So well, what do you do for the events? Just live paint. Yeah. Okay. I bring my, I have a travel wall that I built that's eight foot by eight foot. Nice. Um, and I'll either do like a mural that people can 
auction off afterwards or, you know, just like something for a photo opportunity. Nice. Um, or a lot of times people will see my work and just be like, just paint whatever you want. That's you know? cool. Yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of events in that style. And then there's there was a clothing company that approached me uh, to do like a limited edition artist series of T-shirts. Nice. Um, and I've been going back and forth on that. And I think this week actually is my final meeting with them to like finalize the placement of everything. And yeah. Damn, dude, you're killing it. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah, you're out there, man. And now you're here. So yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this this turns into something. Yeah, I'm. I like I said, I was just so stoked to come and you know have this conversation with you and just get to sit down and talk because, like you said, it is nice to talk to other creative people it and is. you know other people that you just seem to be able to have a genuine conversation with. And you I know, remember when I was when I was going to school for animation, it was so cool just being in that environment, man. And I miss that, you know, just being around the other creatives, just shooting yeah, ideas man. back and forth, and just having these kind of conversations, like. Yeah, you don't you don't get to have this kind of stuff every day with with everyone, you know. No, definitely not. Especially when people aren't involved full time in a creative field. A creative, yeah. It's kind of hard for them to understand why you think about it so often or why you talk about it so often, you know, because it is kind of this all consuming thing. And sometimes I do have to stop myself. Like I'll be sitting in a room with, uh, I always call them adult people, yeah. you know, because I feel like to be an artist you have to be at least a little bit childish. Child, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the inner child. Is yeah, still there, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of adult people, and um, I'll have to stop myself from just like continually talking about creative things because I realize that at this point there's a disconnect. Yeah, there's none of them are interested. Yeah, anymore, <laughs> you know? you'll start to see them kind of dozing off and mm -hmm. just not making eye contact, go checking their phones. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I know yeah. the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you made it, man. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we had this great conversation. We've been going over an hour now. So, okay. Uh, where, where can people find your stuff online? Uh, Henson the Healer on everything, H I N S O N. Um, you know, I post on TikTok occasionally, uh, but Instagram is kind of my, my bread and butter, you know. Where, my, where, do you, where do you post your daily daily walls, or do you? I do, on, on my Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do a video, and then normally a picture. Nice. Um, you know, sometimes pictures that, like, photographers took of me, sometimes of the practice wall, sometimes of, like, gallery pieces I have coming up, or, um, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. That's cool, man. You're in all kinds of stuff, man. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just staying I, busy. I like to paint. Yeah. You know? Like I keep saying, it's just like, that's what it boils down to is just, I like to paint. So when people are like, Hey, do you want to paint? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Doesn't matter what it is. I'll yeah. Paint. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks again for, for coming on and kind of sharing your story and hopefully people are inspired by your story and you know, kind of follow their, their dreams to paint and spray paint and do all the, all the stuff that we do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's uh, I love talking about it and, uh, I'm just so happy you had me on. I appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's a great conversation, man. It's one of my favorite episodes to shoot, honestly. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah I had an absolute blast. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. And for us, it's uh, blue box podcast. If you want to check out on Instagram and, and TikTok, we post little highlights from the podcast on there. Uh, we're on YouTube, uh, youtube.blueboxdigital.com. Uh, just follow along there. And uh, we, we post some behind-the-scenes stuff on there, too, not just the podcast. Uh, we just launched the merch store. So if you want to rock out the Blue Box, uh, we got stickers, we got shirts, we got hats, all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, help, help us make more of this content uh, to help inspire you guys. Um, 
Yeah, and I think other than that, that's it, man. Thanks again. Yeah, of course. I Thank appreciate you. it. We'll see you next time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and thanks you guys for watching. Uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode.